Welcome everybody to another episode. It's been a little bit of a while. We had a good episode last time here with Matthew Lang here back in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, Matthew, a lot has happened since the last episode. November, the uh, college football playoff. We're going to get into that. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff. We want to thank you for watching today. If you're watching it live on Facebook, if you're catching the recap on Facebook or on YouTube, or if you're traveling by car to some of your holiday destinations and listening to it on audio at SoundCloud or iTunes. We want to thank you for watching, watching and make sure to like and subscribe as well. Uh, also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything, make sure to comment down in the Facebook live feed. We will uh, try to answer your questions as well about anything we're talking about today. It's all college football. So, Matthew, we're going to get started. College football season officially, regular season over, ended mm -hmm. last weekend with Army-Navy game. Um, really kind of the pinnacle of a season. Love watching that game. You know, mm -hmm. Alex has a bigger meaning than just football, and it was mm -hmm. a good game, and Army's on a roll right now. Uh, but as they, we enter bowl season, which starts Friday, mm -hmm. uh, December 15th with kind of those lower-tier group of five bowls, a lot happened <laughs> with the conference championship weekend yeah. for us to look and see, wow, here's a bunch of teams that are, you know, one through six. We talked about this before the show. One and two <coughs> dominant. Alabama, Clemson, two dominant programs. You expected to see them there. Right. But three through six, you could honestly say any of those teams could beat each other on a neutral field. Mm -hmm. What do you think the committee got right or wrong on your aspect? I think they did what was – they put the four most deserving teams in the mm -hmm. playoff, and I think they wanted to stay away from all the political bias, conference bias, and they went with a team mm -hmm. in Oklahoma who is not a bad team. I think they were a very good team. Um, but I think they strayed away from, okay, let's put the four best teams and said they went with the four most deserving teams. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you can go about, you know, different aspects. Okay, well, Georgia had a blowout loss to LSU, so that's probably what put Oklahoma over the hump with Georgia having that mm -hmm. loss. But I guess what I just don't understand is why Georgia would go from five to four the weekend before the conference championship play the number one team in the country and play them better than anyone, anyone, yeah, anyone, anyone has, has in the year. country. And they lose a game in the last minute where they've had to lead the entire game. They lose in the last minute of the game. They, you know, fight to the very end. And it's the most viewed game all year, probably the best game, you know, all year, mm -hmm. you know, barring the seven overtime game between LSU and A&M. But I, I just don't understand how you can penalize a team for playing the number one team in the country, playing them that well, and say, okay, you're going to go back down to number five, and we're going to move Oklahoma up for beating a team that they lost to earlier in the season. Um, and like I said, Oklahoma's not a bad team. No. I think they're a phenomenal team. I just don't understand how you can penalize Georgia for playing the number one team and then moving them back down. Um, that's just my opinion. But. Well, I think when you look at it, Oklahoma's a dynamic offense. And mm -hmm. You can say Kyler Murray can probably play with any defense out there. I mean, he's right. that talented. And I think oh, it's going to be an interesting matchup between him and Alabama, those two dynamic <clears throat> quarterbacks. My problem with it is Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame's a team to me that um, Ian Book brings a whole new dynamic to that team. And Agreed. I think that Brandon Wimbush did not. And so give them credit. They did what they had to do with their schedule. Yeah. But I think you're penalizing a Georgia team that had to – play a conference title game. Mm -hmm. So what happens if Alabama would have lost that game? See, to me, there's no way a guy, a committee could look look in the face of the camera and say, Alabama's not one of the four best teams if Alabama does right. lose an SEC championship. Notre Dame got rewarded for not playing a conference championship game, right. which was just another opportunity to hurt. And so I agree with you. Take away the 20-point the loss to LSU for Georgia. I think they definitely put us in. Different conversation. If you take away Texas's, I'm, I'm sorry, Oklahoma's lost Texas, they're definitely in no, no 
question mm -hmm. about it. Oklahoma did, and this is what a lot of Oklahoma fans feel as well, kind of vindicate that loss. You know, they lost in the regular season, they come back and beat them in the conference championship, mm -hmm. and um, Kyler Murray played great in that game. And I think yeah. it's going to be an exciting matchup to watch Oklahoma-Alabama face yeah. off. I mean, that's two, I mean, you have the Heisman Trophy winner, and wow, I don't even know how narrow the votes were between two and Kyler Murray. That's two of the best players in the country right there going at it, and that's going to be fun. But on the other side, you have Clemson and Notre Dame, and I'm telling you, I mean, Georgia fans wanted to be in it. Ohio State fans wanted to be in it. Yeah. We talked about this before. Ohio State, I don't care what you do. Ohio, Ohio State, you lost by 29 points to Purdue. Who you mentioned, Who mentioned lost to Akron. Yeah. No disrespect to Akron fans or Purdue fans, but to be in that top four, you can't lose games like that. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you win your conference. Um, and, I, and I put this out on Twitter when, you know, during the conference uh, championship weekend, to me, the playoffs should not be the top four conference champions. It should no. be the top four teams in the country. And I think that definitely, <clears throat> like Kirk Herbstreit said, it got a little political, and I think definitely Alabama was one of those teams. Clemson is definitely one of those teams. Even playing in a weaker ACC, they got a very good program. Right. But when it comes down to Notre Dame, and I'll give Oklahoma a benefit out. I think they're a legit, legitimate team that could be in the playoffs. Yeah. But between Notre Dame and Georgia, I just – that, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow for Georgia fans and SEC fans, and we talked about this as well. The whole idea of SEC bias, yeah. I think it's SEC fatigue. People are tired of seeing SEC teams mm -hmm. in the. But you had that huge stat, and let you talk about it of the recruiting and how that goes directly into how good these teams are. What does it look like on the recruiting front for the SEC, and why are they? Why do people have this SEC fatigue? Well, I think mainly, and you could use the argument that it's mainly been Bama as far as you know, SEC bias goes and SEC dominating college football. I think it's a, a pretty fair argument to say that Alabama's kind of been up top as far as, you know, talent goes and winning championships. But I think you're starting to see Georgia come up there and be in that team that competes with Alabama every year and mm -hmm. been the team that only compete with Alabama for the past two years. Um, and then, like I said um, to you earlier about recruiting, you know, 10 of the top 25 um, recruiting rankings. If you go to team rankings on Rivals or uh, 247, um, you'll see that 10 of the top 25 um, are from the SEC. One Bama, two A&M, three Georgia. And that says something about the quality of the teams exactly. you're getting and, and why it translates exactly to that. I think, you know, like you talk about A&M, they're an up-and-coming program with Jimbo Fisher. We saw right. they had a close loss to Clemson that they should have won. 28-26. I mean, they should have won that game. Yeah. I feel like they had that game. And that's a huge game. And then Alabama, they didn't lose to them that bad, but Alabama's a different it's machine, and they're a, a young animal. team. And Kellen Mond is going to be a dynamic quarterback mm -hmm. uh, for that team. I think that you just take a look at the SEC as a whole. It's kind of bounced back this year. I feel like it evened out a little bit. People that complained about the yeah. East. Uh, Florida's got Dan Mullen there up and coming. You take a look at Kentucky, what they did this year. A veteran team right. that had played together for four years. And, you know, going into that Georgia game, there's a lot of hype surrounding Kentucky. And I think a lot of that might have been a little a little bit over the top for Kentucky. But, I mean, they got a, they had a good team. They had, yeah. they had a good team. They finished 9-3, and three, uh, headed to a bowl game. And so a, a big bowl game. It's going to be fun for them, the Citrus Bowl. And so uh, that's a big step for Mark right. Stoops in that program. And I think the SEC is taking a leap. Tennessee. I mean, yeah. Jeremy Pruitt, who seemed like that was a dumpster fire when Butch Top 11 up. recruiting class. Top yeah, top 11 recruiting class. And also, you finished the season up pretty strong, too, mm -hmm. with a couple big wins. And so the SEC as a whole has gotten better. But when you take a look at the country, I think for 
and we're going we're to have this discussion as well about UCF. I think for Notre Dame to be able to legitimately, for, for me to look at them and say, okay, you earned your way into this playoff, join a conference. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, play. You are. I mean, they pretty much play. They play an a, a, ACC yeah, schedule exactly with being in, in every other sport. But join the ACC. Mm-hmm. Win your conference title. You have to play that stream because everyone else does, um, and then they have to do that. And so I think for the Power Five, that's interesting. When you get into the Group of Five, um, I've been I've been on the side of UCF belongs nowhere near these teams. Um, they could not hold Alabama or Georgia's jockstrap. It just would not mm-hmm. happen. I do think, though, and I, this has brought up an argument as well. I was talking to someone, and they said, well, then what are they playing for? You've won 25 straight games. You've won two conference championships. Should the group of five just make their own playoff system? Because then if, you're, if they don't even get a shot, what are they actually playing for? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I just think you can't have a 108 uh, strength of schedule. Agreed. I mean, yeah. you got to play somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the toughest games they're playing are their conference championships, and then you can say, oh, well, we beat Auburn team. That was supposedly great. I mean, yeah, and I'm not going to use the excuse, oh, well, Auburn didn't care about that game, and they didn't yeah. show up. Well, they had an unhealthy carry on Johnson in that game after getting beat up, and the Alabama game was unhealthy for the SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. And Auburn was still a great team. I'm not taking the win away from UCF, but if your toughest game is going to be the bowl game, I mean – because I don't even think they played a ranked team all year. So when yeah, they about, played a Cincinnati team and ended up They're like ranked them. 21, but we all know Cincinnati's not a powerhouse Yes, and, in, in the country. And this is also a – I was talking with the same person. We were talking, you know, what what Power 5 team is going to schedule them? Exactly. I mean, that, and that's the problem UCF sits in because they can't go out and say, oh, we want to schedule Georgia for a home-and-home. Home. Georgia's not going to do that because if they lose, it looks bad. Yeah. Clemson, I don't believe it would do that. So they're gonna. Do I think we'd lose if we played them? I don't no, think. But I'm saying the risk is yeah. it worth that for UCF? And so it's gonna be. It's an interesting debate, and that leads us right into the next thing. Do you think the playoff should expand? And if it does, what is the timetable for that? We've seen a lot of reports yeah. come out recently that they're going to have a, the committee's going to have a conversation about a 16 or yeah. an 18 playoff. But at what point is too much where you're letting everyone in? Well, I don't think this should turn into March Madness and we put in, like, six, mm-hmm. obviously you can't put you can't in 64, 64 teams. But, yeah. like, don't put in, like, 25 teams. Like, I don't think it should go to that. I think seven or eight is the very max you should go to with putting in a first-round bye for the number one seed or just doing eight teams and one, eight, two, seven, three, six, four, five. Um, I think I, – I just think that's the best way to do it and then take out conference championships because when you have conference championships like the SEC championship – Deciding who goes to the playoff, I think it's just kind of bushling, in my opinion. Yeah, well, because so. I think it takes away. And I, I you, t- you said this on the on the ride over here, actually, and I was like, I haven't heard that argument before. But you say that it kind of takes teams out of the running yeah. because it ruins. Because say if Georgia does come in there undefeated, mm-hmm. and Georgia loses the same way to Alabama, Georgia's sitting at what twelve and one. Yeah, with a three point loss to Alabama. Or a, I'm sorry, a seven-point loss to Alabama, and you're saying that they're not in the top four. It acts as a playoff game, and I get that. So the argument is, so, well, you should win your games. Well, then it gives teams like UCF a chance yeah. because they're seven seed. And so that gives them their actual chance to go and play a Clemson team, and let's see how they fare against a quality opponent. Yeah. And so I think it gives teams like that a chance. But, like, you got to think about it. These kids are in finals right now mm-hmm. and preparing for, you know, their rivalry games at that time, you know, going into finals week. So, because these kids have lives, too. I mean, oh, yeah. it's not like the NFL where all they do is just football. Like, they have to go to school, and I know they have tutors, and they have a bunch of things that help out with that. But they're still kids, and they have to go to school and do all those things. So, I think it's a little easy to say, well, let's just 
you know, take out conference championships and make them play four more games. Like, I mean, it, it shouldn't like really necessarily work like that. But I mean, I think if you're really wanting to get the best teams mm-hmm. in the playoff, I think you should expand it to eight. And then you're going to be like, well, this number nine or number ten team is quality. Well, there's, there's always going to be an argument. There's for always going to be an argument. You're right. But I think there's a difference between elite and then. Your good teams, kind of like even your great teams. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I agree with you. I think Ohio State's one of those teams right now. To I think I think they team. could beat anybody in a playoff. I know Alabama's on a whole different level, and they're one of the best teams of all time. This team that they have right now, but I think Ohio State can very well compete with any team in the country. Mm-hmm. And I know they're one of the more inconsistent teams um, in the country, but I do think they have the talent to play with everybody because I'm pretty sure they had like a top five recruiting class last year. So, Will and Man- a Heisman candidate quarterback. Will Manis uh, comments. Will Manis was supposed to be on the show today. He said UCF played Memphis twice and beat them twice. Hashtag respect for UCF. They did. Respect. And Mackenzie Milton, fantastic football player. Oh, Whether absolutely. it's a group of five, FCS, whatever it is he's playing. Yeah. Uh, obviously he's playing group of five, but whatever level, the kid's a great football player. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, prayers go out to him for his injury that yeah. he had and everything. And he begins a, a tough road to recovery. But, I mean, watching the – I didn't get to watch a lot of that conference championship game. I was keeping up with it. But they came back they and came won back. a game and were down a lot at one point. And so with I think a backup QB. With a backup QB. And that's going to be interesting. They face off against LSU. And that's going to be an interesting bowl. LSU, you know, there's a lot of calls on social media for, for teams to say, well, I don't want an LSU. Let's beat, let's beat that group of five team. And I think UCF's a good matchup for yeah. LSU. Um, LSU obviously agree with their best DB. Um, I think UCF has a perfect offense to go up, you know, a defense like LSU that can spread. Now they got speed on, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so I mean, because they're going to want to claim another national championship. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. this game is everything to UCF. When for LSU, it's not going to mean as much. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. You can say that's bias, that's bullcrap. Like, I mean, but honestly, LSU is not going to care about this game as much as UCF, as you saw UCF claim a national Championship oh, yeah. for beating a three-loss Auburn team. In the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. In the Peach Bowl. I mean, like, and that's no disrespect to the Peach Bowl. Great game. Florida, Michigan are playing But you ain't going to see Auburn claim a national championship for beating UCF. Yeah. No, I agree. For the group of five team, this is their shot. And we yeah. saw it at a, it's not more than a couple years ago, but Boise State was like that. Yeah. And, you know, I think one thing that teams are wary of when I went back is who really wants to schedule a home-and-home with UCF? We saw, or even a neutral site game as a mm-hmm. power time. We saw that with Georgia and Boise State. Now, is that Georgia team might be not one of the strongest teams, but they ran off a bunch of wins after that loss yeah. to Boise State after losing the opening. Uh, Kellen Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. He was a dynamic quarterback for that Boise State team, and, and so and those awful uniforms that Georgia mm-hmm. had to wear. Those those Power Rangers. I wasn't, a, I wasn't that much of a. That was awful. Gosh, it was so bad. With this. I like that the silver helmets were cool that Georgia wore. But those red and black Power Rangers. Power Rangers, that's what everybody calls them. Yeah, the Power Rangers versus the Stormtroopers. Uh, My opinion is, if I had white. to wear those, I think they'd be sick. Matthew would look really good. Comment below if you think Matthew would look good in the all-red <laughs> Georgia uniform. Uh, we need to get somebody on that pronto. Will Manis says UCF 31, LSU 21. And I agree. I think that's a good matchup. I don't, maybe not the exact score, but I think it's going to be a good We have game. a mediocre offense. LSU, so LSU. you're basically banging on their defense to kind of keep them in the game, and I'll take a. But 
without Mackenzie Milton. How would this freshman step up? I, I, I would take LSU in the game. But if Mackenzie Milton were healthy, I think just like they did with Auburn game, that was their national championship. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot to play for. And so I think if Mackenzie Milton is healthy, I know we're playing the what-if game. I would take UCF to win that game just because of how their offense can spread you out. They're very fast-paced. And I know LSU's defense is a great defense, but it's different when you're going against SEC opponents that want to run the ball down your throat and, you know, not kind of spread you out as much as UCF does with the hurry-up offense. Um, Trent Griner from down in uh, Moultrie, Georgia, says, that's my roommate, good, good friend of mine, Trent Griner. Uh, near Colquitt County, and I don't know if they won the state championship last night. Uh, don't remember, Trent can throw that in the comments, but they played last night at the Mercedes-Benz. And talk about, as we get in, switch from this whole college football playoff conversation to recruiting. Early signing day is next Wednesday. Nope, it's a big 19th. day, and I think what is really cool being able, I've had the opportunity to cover last year's, and, and we'll do this year's as well. But looking at that is going to be, very interesting because you talk to coaches and guys that do this for a living. How does this early national signing day? And I was talking with Ben Moore, uh, covers Georgia State with 24-7 Sports, and he was saying it almost – this is an interesting conversation because it almost forces Power 5 teams to offer these kids earlier Yeah. So because group of five schools can pick them up. For example, Georgia State signed a kid, an offensive lineman, that had an offer from Clemson, but Clemson was kind of wary on where the offer was going to go or not. Well, and before they changed the signing period, they would have the full cycle to do this. Well, now he's going to sign next Wednesday with Georgia State and go ahead and take that, whereas he was unsure what Clemson would do. And so I think it, it's an interesting change. This is the second year they've done this. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what guys, you know, we know the number one recruit, Nolan Smith, reaffirmed his commitment after pretty much playing with everybody's totally. feelings on Twitter um, with all his visits. But, you know, talking with some guys, why would you not take your five official visits? I mean, essentially yeah. someone's saying, Matthew, I'll pay you to come take pictures in a cool uniform to show you around the entire facilities and all this stuff and get your family to fly out here for free. Take them. I mean, if you're a high school kid, take those five visits. Yeah. doesn't matter if you're committed or not. But what do you think? you think any big surprises on National Signing Day? We were talking about some guys beforehand. Any predictions for you of who's going to go where? I think the big – I'm sticking in the SEC just because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a big George fan. I follow Georgia football pretty pretty hard. Um, I think guys look forward to Kobe Dean, um, Evan Neal, five-star offensive lineman, um, Trey Sanders. Alabama and Georgia, that's going to be a big one. Yep, Trey Sanders, Alabama, Georgia, number one overall running back um, in the class. So – I think you'd see a lot of Alabama-Georgia recruiting battles with Georgia winning Mm -hmm. a big one in Clay Webb and a five-star center Mm -hmm. out of um, uh, Alabama. I'm trying to think of the city he's from. Well, that's also the second straight, the number one player out of Alabama has Mm -hmm. left the state. And so that's interesting, too, not to say that Nick Saban's losing it because he's doing very well. But it's interesting to see that Clay Webb's going to be going to Georgia next year. I think as well you, you take a look at, what early signing day does. It allows these kids to kind of go ahead and get it out of the way, which I know is a big right. thing for some of them. Also early well, in the Well, go and get, you know, in the system, yeah. practicing with the team so they can figure out the playbook um, because that gives players a big head start, you know, going into spring mm-hmm. practice and, you know, summer practice. I mean, that gives kids a big head start because, you know, guys like Big Cleveland did it. Um, Justin Fields did it, even though he's got an amazing quarterback and Jake Fromm ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting that head start and getting in front of the playbook that early, I think that's just a huge advantage for those players. 
you talked about getting that advantage. I mean, they're going to graduate high school in December. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields is a prime example. Practice with Georgia throughout the national championship practicing. Yeah. Um, wow. How valuable is that? I mean, I know for it's just J practice. For Jalen Hurts. For Jalen Hurts. zero points yeah. in the <laughs> exactly. beats us next year. So, I, I, man, what the I, heck? <laughs> exactly. Um, wow, yeah, that was, a, that was a tough pill to swallow for Georgia fans all around. I think, though, early signing period is going to bring us some excitement next Wednesday, mm -hmm. and then obviously the one in February. Right. It's going to be the uh, national sign day, the one everyone knows and loves, a holiday, essentially, for, a holiday. for college football and recruiting fans. I know it's crazy to think that we, you know, drool over these 17, 18-year-olds that are just putting a pen to paper mm -hmm. and we're hoping they come to our school, but it's definitely a phenomenon that's going to be really tuned into on that day, and we'll provide you some updates as well, probably even do a show just recapping that next yeah. week, it's going to be very big and some big recruits. And we talked about this last night uh, with with Will Manis. He was not able to be on the show once again. But um, how recruiting translates to talent on the field. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be this is an interesting conversation that you and Will had. And, and I'll let you just open the floor with it. But recruiting to me, if you look who's had consistency, was the biggest thing that you said. Mm -hmm. Consistently being there, and I think Alabama has proved that. Georgia's starting to get there. Yeah. I think over the past three or four years, they've had top ten recruiting classes. And under Mark Rick, they had a lot. Yeah. Which, when you see the elite programs that are in the college football playoff, it translates directly to rec recruiting and the consistency of, of how long yeah. they're there. Well before they have that run of dominance. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you talk about what are some who are some teams that you feel don't quite – are on the cusp that could maybe do a little bit better. I know – I know, I know one of them, and this is going to make a lot of fans here in the Columbus area mad, but go ahead. But I think Auburn, obviously, is one. Um, and I know Gus has had top 10, top 15 recruiting classes, and like I said, I talked with Will about this last night. Um, but I think actually developing players and bringing out the best in them with their talent and their set of skills, um, bringing that to the table and making your team the best as possible. I think Gus Malzahn has a good system, but I think it's only good for teams – until you get to ones like Alabama. Because Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are going to figure out that high school offense with the 10 plays that he runs. And then, you know, he does he does those trick plays in the first and second quarter, and then the second half, it's figured out, and he has nothing else to run. So mm -hmm. I think it's a smart system, but it's not broad enough. I think you have a set number of plays to run, and once you're done, it's just like, well, what the heck do I do? And I think that's starting, exactly. to, I think it's starting to show – and it's a tricky offense. People don't like going against it. Just like Georgia Tech. I know Georgia Tech is 7-5. and five. They're a good football team, but uh, defenses don't like going up against it because yeah. it's tricky, and it is. It make, you are so fatigued by the end of the game because oh, you're yeah. constantly going and running. And Just like Auburn's offense, they spread you out. They're sending people in motion um, all the time on every play, slots, I mean, running backs. I mean, people are constantly going in different directions. Um, but as far as competing at an elite level, I think that's what Auburn is missing. And like I was talking to you and Will last night, I think um, it'd be it'd be a, a shot in the dark, but I think like Adele McGee, he's the number one recruiter in the country right now. Um, you know, running backs coach for Georgia. You're getting five-star after five-star after five-star, and you see the players that are being developed, like Todd Gurley who came through Georgia, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, now DeAndre mm -hmm. Swift and Elijah Holyfield. I mean, stats speak for itself. I mean, you got – Todd Gurley starting running back for the Rams. Nick Chubb starting running back for the Browns. Sonny Michelle starting running back for the New England Patriots. I mean, numbers don't lie. And yeah. so I think when you put that into perspective, you're like, okay, this guy can recruit, and you see that they can develop players. And he's already been able to learn under Kirby Smart and his system and his blueprint how to establish a culture 
and how to get players to buy into the system and to build that after building the culture and now implementing the system and making your team believe that we can win championships. And I think Delvin Gee would be able to do that after being at Georgia for a certain amount of time and seeing the recruiting that he's done. And he graduated from from Auburn. Yeah. So he knows the area. So I think I think that'd be a home run hire. Do I want to see Delvin Gee go? Absolutely not. But I think that Auburn needs to look for that kind of a hire. I'm not saying Gus Malzahn isn't a good coach, but in order to get over the hump to the level that Alabama and now Georgia's heading to, I think that's what they got to do. We're going to put it on a Twitter poll later, but is Gus Malzahn Auburn's version of Mark Rick? Yeah. Is, 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 I mean, is, is he? Is he the guy that can take him uh, there? Will Manis wants to offer some. He goes, Michelle doesn't start. James White starts for New England. Maybe on your fantasy team, Will. Maybe on your fantasy team, he does. That's not true. <laughs> but I, I, do, I do agree with you. I think the consistency in the recruiting rankings leads to talent. But there has to be something in the middle. Right. You can have all this talent, but if you don't develop. And one thing I think, and Auburn sticks out as a team like this, is Auburn fans, who, who have they developed as a quarterback? Exactly. I mean, I used to be a diehard Auburn fan. 2004, the glory years of Auburn football. Jason Campbell, Cardell, Carnell, Cadillac Williams, Ronnie mm-hmm. Brown, a dominant offense that robbed of a BCS National Championship appearance Absolutely. against USC. But you're telling me that's the last guy that's been in the system. Now, Will Manis will say Chris Todd. Okay, sure. But seriously, Cam Newton, Juco. Yeah. Nick Marshall, the guy you went to the national championship with against Florida State, was a converted defensive back. Mm-hmm. And that just says something about the talent you had there. They had Jeremy Johnson, who I know was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He was a five-star for a reason. Something happened yeah. there with the development of him. And, and sometimes that can be on the player, and sometimes it can be on the coaches. But something's missing there, yeah. I think, from their perspective. And so what's happening there? Auburn has had you know, um, Kyle Frazier, who's supposed to be a, the savior coming in. I mean, didn't do a lot. There's been a lot of – I think it's something that they're going to have to look at. Uh, and see what happens because it's it's interesting. As Will Manis is just blowing up the comment section right now, he said Nick Marshall. If you check the stats from 2013 to 2014, he vastly improves, and he might. But I'm just saying from but a perspective, when you recruit, you recruit quarterbacks to play quarterback, and they did get to a national championship. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. But they had to have a couple miracles go their way that year. Yeah, don't talk about it. That, <laughs> as, that we, as we all saw. That but was like, I'm saying consistently playing year in and year out. Just like Georgia's starting to do, and Alabama's been doing for the past seven years, <laughs> winning national championship after national championship, and missing it by a mar- by getting a kickoff or a field goal, missing a field goal and getting it ran back, and Auburn going to the national championship. So, but they're always playing for that national championship oh, every yeah. year. And every I think year. to You're get to that end. level, you got to get somebody that can recruit a top five recruiting class every year and learn how to develop players. And get them in that championship mode. Mm-hmm. So I, I, th- I think that's where it's a big shift change when you used to talk about Georgia and Alabama and Clemson. I'm going to put Clemson in that category because they've obviously won more than us. And they've been there since 2015 with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, so those three teams, I think that's a championship culture that these players are buying into. And I think that's what these other teams like Jimbo Fisher at A&M establishing a culture and getting kids to buy into a system mm-hmm. and take – if you want to come get come beat Bama, join in and let's hop on. And Fisher's a guy that knows what it takes to win exactly. a national championship. Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen beat that same Auburn squad mm-hmm. with Jameis Winston and company. I think I think you're you're right. You have coaches all across the nation. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ohio State with Urban Meyer yeah. reti- re- 
retiring. We'll yeah. see. Um, Jim Harbaugh, can he? Can Michigan ever get over the hump? Yeah. Uh, Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, he's got a. I mean, he's got his best shot that he's had since 2012 yeah. to, to win a national title. Now being in the playoff after they got uh, smacked by Alabama that year, it was just should not have been there. And that's I the BCS, see. though. It's over. The BCS <laughs> is over. Thank the Lord. Computer rankings are done. Uh, but I agree with you. I think all of this talk around, and it all kind of circles recruiting, with next week being a big week and this kind of being to see the bowl game starting yeah. to kick off. It really begs different. Okay. You look at these recruits, where are they now? And some of the top guys in there are the top tier schools like that are in the top six. Um, you got a team like Oklahoma who their offense is dynamic. They have a They have three five star wide receiver commits in this current class right and, now. And that's crazy. Uh, and that's crazy. And, <laughs> they're just building it. And they're building it. If their defense if they, and this is no district to Oklahoma fans or Big Twelve fans. They don't play a ton of defense over there. It's seven on seven. It's seven on seven football. <laughs> that's, that's what I call Don't take it with the Kyle Murray. He's, he's still insane. He's a great football player. Go play baseball. That is where you will make your money. Play baseball. Everyone's saying that. Yeah. Um, but I think just seeing why these teams are where they are. I mean, Alabama consistently top five recruiting class yeah. for the past ten years. Number where they one, had to number do it two. Before. They had the oh top three. Let's yeah, yeah. one or two. Georgia. Ever since Kirby's gotten there, they've had been the top, top five. Top five. And you're seeing, you know, last year they went to the national championship. This year they're one game away from the playoff, arguably a playoff game they played um, in Mercedes-Benz. They're getting there. Clemson's there. Dabo has built a powerhouse after several yeah, years absolutely. and kind of getting his own system players in there. And I think it's – you look at the elite coaches around college football, and when you talk about these elite coaching staffs and you talk about Adele McGee, you also have guys that are leaving schools to go other places. That's one thing that uh, Kirby Smart talked about in his press conference – with Mel Tucker leaving to take the job at Colorado. Yeah. You look, you see, when you have an elite coaching staff, this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, Alabama's offensive coordinator, also, he left. I think it's I think it's interesting. Will Manis is commenting once again, I'm pretty sure none of the Big 12 teams played a single play this season with only seven players on the field. I mean, yeah. yeah you're correct in that. Might as well be. Uh, but I, I think it, you see the elite coaches, where they're going, and you see a guy like Nick Saban, he's got coaches here. He's got coaches there. I mean, you just, well, I think uh, another credit to Dabo, you know, they had Deshaun Watson there for three years and the system that they kind of had on offense with him. And now Trevor Lawrence, it's kind of different as far as QB style goes. Mm -hmm. I know he can run a little bit, but they didn't miss a beat when Trevor Lawrence came in yeah. there. And I know Kelly Bryant was their guy for last year, and they made it to the playoff. And they turned to Trevor Lawrence, who they feel like has a better style of play, more talent. They don't miss that beat. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're undefeated going into a playoff game with Notre Dame, which I think Notre Dame does play them well in the playoff simply because Clemson hadn't had a schedule a year. Yeah, Clemson, the ACC has been a down, down year, obviously. One and of the you saw that game with A&M where it came down to the wire. And that was a good game. Exactly. A&M has an underrated defense, I feel. And um, don't get me wrong, Clemson's way more talented than Notre Dame on both sides of the ball. Defense, the entire defensive line is projected mm -hmm. first-rounders with, you know, a top probably – top freshman in the country at Trevor Lawrence at QB. And then with um, the running back at Niner, or I forgot how to pronounce his name, but with a stellar running back and great wideouts yeah. and Justin Ross um, and T. Higgins. Pro local product Justin Ross. So, yeah. I mean, they are talented all across the board. So, I think they beat Notre Dame, absolutely. I think Notre Dame plays them tough. But I'll be interested to see how well they play uh, – Alabama. I think they're playing well just because how deep they are on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that defensive but, line is going to have yeah. their work cut out for them. But like you said, all of the first round.
first round talent. And then you have almost all all Americans on the Alabama's offensive line. I mean, um, that's just one of the best teams I think I've ever seen, and especially yeah. with Quentin Williams, a three star recruit, um, who is probably the best defensive lineman in the country, and he'll be a top three, top five pick in the draft. I mean, I think he's insane. I hope you go to the Falcons, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for all you did. Keep playing over Mercedes Benz. Yeah, well, um, I think. Uh, I do think Clemson is going to be able to compete with Bama whenever they play them. I'm not saying Oklahoma doesn't have a shot, but yeah. I'm also saying Oklahoma doesn't have a shot when they play Alabama. Kyle Murray's an electric player, and yeah. he won the Heisman for a reason, but well, honestly, a think different animal. Alabama could score 80 points. That, that will. See, that, that's the thing. Alabama can go in there and say, okay, you want to do that? We'll do the same thing, but we'll, bat, we'll have a better defense. Exactly. I think they can get more stops than Oklahoma's defense. But, you know, Trevor Knight at Oklahoma, when they played in the Sugar Bowl, I think it was in 2008. 14. Uh, or was it 14? It was 14, yes. Okay, wow, that was awesome. 2008. But uh, when they played in the Sugar Bowl, Trevor Knight at Oklahoma, they played them well, yep. and they beat them. And then you saw Alabama. When they, whenever they play teams that have quarterbacks that spread them out, like Deshaun Watson did, yeah. um, two years after that or a year after that, you know, caused problems and eventually lost. So, I think that now that they are going up against another running quarterback in Kyler Murray and who can spread them out with some good wideouts in CeeDee Lamb and Marquise Brown, I think they can spread them out and kind of do some damage. But I, I still don't think they win the game, but I do think they can compete with them at a high level. Well, we're going to have a prediction show where we lay out a whole bracket for you. We're going to have a nice little panel that's going to talk about specifically that college ball playoff that kicks off on December 29th. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be an interesting, interesting weekend of college football. And the great bowl game, start tuning in that are all around that weekend, Sugar Bowl, Georgia plays, plays, plays Texas, which is going to be interesting and a fun game. LSU, UCF, like we talked about. Uh, a lot of good games. Ohio State, Washington. Some that's going to be a good game. That's good, some, some good games. And I know a lot of Georgia fans, they wanted that Ohio State matchup. They wanted that Georgia-Ohio <laughs> so State. I, uh, done great that ain't UCF. I'd love to play either one of those teams. But I think it's been a it's been a good season. It's crazy to think it, though. We're nearing the end of another college football that's season. That's crazy. It went by so fast. But, yeah, I mean, we're going to have a show on, on the college World playoff here soon. Thanks for coming. And uh, join us here. Once again, we're at Cook's Hot Dogs here in Columbus, Georgia. It's a great location. Come and get you some 1950s. Scramble dogs. And throw it out there. Yeah. yeah throwing dogs under in the bus. In Columbus. But uh, thanks for tuning in. One thing, Alabama. Uh, is going to lose, according to Will Man, is 45-42. Will, we will have you on the show next time to give all your hot takes. We call Will as Skip. Well, as, as, <laughs> as, as Will does very often. But thank you for tuning in once again. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow on all social media. And once again, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, thanks for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, the recap of it, thank you. And if you're just listening to it on the car, uh, in the car, on the way home, or on the way to your family uh, Christmas party as well, thank you for tuning in on iTunes. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.